The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. It's the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Before John and I get started, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Good afternoon. Welcome on to Hollinger and Duncan. Uh, Nate Duncan will be joined by my partner, John Hollinger, in a second. Thanks so much uh, for listening and supporting this show. And so what John and I are going to talk about today is what's changed in the bubble it's a small sample size five six games but it's also after a four-month layoff a lot of teams are going to be making conclusions for their squads going forward even if they don't in fact make the playoffs so i want to talk about the teams and players that have most changed our opinions and perhaps the opinions of those around the league and in their own front offices how you doing man i'm doing great there's uh been a, a pretty wild, exciting weekend of basketball, so I think there's a lot to talk about here. I think some things in the bubble definitely have gone different from expectations, and the question is, how much do you move off your prior, as a Bayesian would say, and uh, and and re- readjust your thinking on these players and teams based on what's happened? So, all right, we'll, we'll start with you here. What team has changed your opinion of them the most so far whether that's their long-term future whether that's these guys could make some noise in the playoffs whether it's oh we thought these guys were good they might be in trouble with the playoffs so give me uh give me a team here so i was really excited about the reimagined philadelphia 76ers with shake milton at point guard and al horford coming off the bench and like they're just not any different like I don't know what else to say. Like they're they're still they're still just gonna disappoint us at the end of the day. Defensively, for some reason, they've just never been as good as their talent, and I think that's the biggest thing. The pieces don't quite fit offensively either, and I think that's where everyone focuses. But this team was built to be awesome defensively, and they're just not. No, I I agree with you, and I, I was always. A little skeptical of the move to take Horford out of the starting lineup because I just didn't see the theory of the team. It's like you said right there. I thought when they put this team together, you're moving on from JJ Redick. You got Josh Richardson. You got Al Horford. Those are like two all defense level of contributors. You add those to Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. This could be one of the best defenses of all time. And it seemed like they were giving up on that theory when they moved Horford out of the starting lineup. And they actually, if you look at the numbers, when they had that old starting lineup together, they did defend at that level. They just couldn't score. Part yeah. of that was because Horford oddly couldn't hit a three with them beat on the floor and started shooting fine as soon as he was off the floor. But it was really, I, I thought they were kind of just giving up and be like, okay, yeah, you might be a little better offensively. That's fine, but you're not going to be this absolute defensive monster. And so like, what, what is the team hang its hat on now? Um, and so, yeah, I mean, even before Ben Simmons went down, they were struggling to defend. And, uh, you know, I think part of it to me is that Horford and Josh Richardson aren't quite at the same level that they were defensively. I think Embiid is not quite at the same level that he was at. And now he's injured as well. He's got a nagging injury. And Ben Simmons, who was their Iron Man, has now had two injuries in the last few games that, that he's played. And, uh, I mean, you got to say they're probably done at this point for this year, right? I would think so. I mean, could they maybe still win a playoff series? Yeah, I think that especially 
Um, well, actually, even if they get Boston, I guess, because Embiid's such a tough matchup for them. But in that 4-5 against Indy or Miami, like, they could win that, especially if Embiid plays and really, really plays like he can. You know, it's it's funny. Like, his best defensive plays are freaking awesome. But there's just too many too many times in between where he checks out just a little bit and it's, and it's just enough to kind of tilt them from being an awesome defense to just like, yeah, you're pretty good. Well, and he's so dominant physically that to me, his condition matters more than for other players, because if he's really running the floor, if he's working for deep post position, if he's got just a little bit more juice on that quick drive to the left baseline, when he faces up from 15 feet on the left side of the floor, like that's what really truly makes him unstoppable in addition to his skill level. And so it seems like every time he's really going, you know, he had the 41 against the Pacers. He, he's killing these small teams. He was killing the Spurs, though they didn't throw in the ball enough in that game. And then, of course, he sprains his ankle and now his conditioning is, is going to be impacted. And he, every time it seems he takes a step forward, he takes a step back with some sort of a, an issue. Yeah. Offensively, does Philadelphia need to completely reimagine what they are like is it do they need to trade Simmons or Horford and Simmons and kind of go with the Olajuwon model around Embiid that's interesting when you consider how good he is in the post but before I talk more about that I'm just I'm a little worried about you if you this that's the second time you've used the word reimagine already with the six so you've just been like reading a lot of like corporate powerpoints <laughs> or something where you just like are you uh do you have a marketing degree that i don't know about <laughs> they need to right size their roster nate <laughs> oh man yeah maybe get some more synergies and yeah yeah they, they could develop some synergies that would be that would be important too um yeah that's an interesting thought and you wonder what simmons could potentially get in trade the concern there, of course, is it seemed like they made a lot of these moves. This is some of the things that we talked about, I think, very early on, you and I, of is Embiid a ticking time bomb from a health perspective, and did they really go for it with all this spending right now? The, the Butler trade was part of that. Then they brought in a lot of other expensive guys. They got these big tax concerns going forward. And so are they worried that Embiid only has a couple of years left and you don't want to move on? From Simmons, if you do, you're probably getting older pieces that, in theory, fit better. And then if Embiid goes down, you just have nothing to hang your hat on at all after that yeah. either. Yeah. yeah. In retrospect, I mean, the weirdest part was the five-year max for Harris as opposed to – and the pieces they gave up. Well, well, the trade as, for Harris, yeah. I think that's when it yeah. really went awry to me. Yeah. Yeah. They gave up some good stuff there. And, like, guys who could help them, like Landry Shamit – is the perfect guy to play with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, right? Yeah. And they put him in that trade. Well, and, and you're telling me the Clippers wouldn't have done that trade without Landry Shamit in there also. Like, they were getting a steal to begin with. They were never going to re-sign Tobias Harris. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I mean, there were scenarios where they could have with his cap hold and whatnot, but they, certainly once they knew they were getting Kawhi and Paul George, they weren't going to, right? I mean, yeah, and it was the, always the, the, be the room Kawhi didn't Kawhi. exist. That was the plan. Yeah. I mean, and, and the problem was, you know, Harris was going to get offers right at the beginning. Kawhi was probably going to take his time. And so there was, they wouldn't have really been able to yeah. match anything for Harris until they knew on Kawhi. And that was going to be a while. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it might be a little early for the postmortem on them, but this was supposed to be the year, right? Like this is supposed to be the good Al Horford year. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's, uh, Embiid again, you know, he could kind of suffer that injury at any time or, or you know, just these nagging injuries continue to affect him. It's a bummer. Who's who's the coach next year? Yeah, is this uh, is this it for Brett Brown for sure? You think? Boy, I I just I I can't see them not making a change because they've locked him into a themselves into a situation where it's hard to change anything else. So I I'd, I'd have to think so. I mean, what is that coach going to do differently though? I mean, that's the one thing that I, I've always wondered. You'll you'll hear some things here and there. With Brown, like, okay, they shouldn't have had Al Horford playing a, a drop coverage. They should have it more out on the floor when he's the center. You know, kind of some smaller things like that. But generally, I struggle to point to, like, what the low-hanging fruit is to upgrade from a strategic standpoint. I don't think it's strategic stuff. I think it's can you can you inspire this, you know, in, inspire Embiid to, to play to his potential more often. 
Yeah, maybe that's true, right? I mean, Embiid has grown up with Brett Brown. You know, he is a, a goes back to the process days, goes back to the days when Embiid was just sitting for two years and then it had another year where he, he barely played. And so it was, uh, it, maybe the thought is just that he needs some, some new blood there to just move into a new era, sever the links with the past. I mean, I guess, but yeah. I wonder who that's going to be. That's a, that's an interesting question as well. But yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I, I agree with you. I probably would make the change just because there's nothing else you can do. But I also don't think that Brown has done a bad job there. I would agree with that. I, we had him, I think, rated as a mid-tier coach when we did our rankings. Yeah. Yeah. Like in the, like the 14, 15 type of yeah. range. So mm-hmm. you you probably got a 50% chance of upgrading, a 50% <laughs> chance of, uh, of downgrading there. But yeah, I mean, you, I guess you got to take the chance. Um, you know, I, I do wonder what it could look like around Embiid, but uh, I mean, are they, is it really possible to have an elite offense with just a center and some guys? I mean, they really need, they would need to have more shooting and they would need to have like a really good off the dribble guy. I don't know if that's possible to obtain with the assets that they have right now. The lack of a off the dribble creation once Butler left is definitely the, the glaring hole that's tough to fill. Okay. Uh, my turn here. The Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, let's let's uh, talk about them. Uh, why why is their offense complete dog shit? Well, they can't hit a three. I mean, that seems pretty pretty obvious. And, and the Athletics Anthony Slater has been all this that all over this that they were I think coming into the bubble they were nineteenth in three point percentage, and they have now gone down even further as a result of uh, some bricklaying in Orlando and. We thought, I actually thought that KCP replacing Avery Bradley would be a good thing. That starting lineup has been atrocious. They've been like negative 18 per 100 mm-hmm. possessions. Um, the centers have been really bad. JaVale McGee uh, as well. I mean, it, to me though, it all just comes back to them not hitting jump shots, right? Like LeBron and AD, those guys are shooting terribly from outside the paint themselves. And then the supporting shooters like KCP and Green have been way off, but. You know, so, so I guess that's my question to you, right? I mean, the numbers are really bad. They have a negative, I'm sorry, they have an 86 offensive rating with LeBron and AD on the floor. That's like unthinkable, right? And AD is shooting 33% from the field in those minutes and only has a 25 usage, which is really low. low. We've seen teams uh, double teaming him. Uh, Overall with AD on the floor, negative 13 net rating with LeBron on the floor, negative five net rating. I mean, they are clearly playing poorly here. Is it just the shooting though? The defense seems fine. If they just hit some shots, does that make all their problems go away? Yeah, I. Yeah, the defense. The defense has been fine, but you, you just wonder. To me, it's not even the shot making so much. It's just Le- LeBron plays games that don't matter at a different tempo and is able to downshift and upshift himself more than almost any player. And I, I still think. At the end of the day, that matters even more than the shooting part of the equation. That just, <laughs> just the way he is, like, he's just, like, he's just not sweating these games. Like, he's just not, like, he's trying on defense, though. <laughs> yeah. He's actually, um, has actually probably guarded decent players more in the bubble than we've seen at other times. I mean, obviously, it's crazy outlier to have them at 25% on threes the, w- the way they are. Um, and they're, you know, they're drawing fouls. They're, you know, they're turn, they're turning over probably a little more than they'd like, but, uh, I, I, I just want, like, it's been so bad though. Like you just wonder that if there's, if there's something there to it, just because it's, it's been so, so egregiously worse than what you might think. You know, I've been saying this for a while that LeBron going back in like 2015, even the 2016 regular season. His jumper was way off. Like in the 2015 playoffs, he couldn't mm-hmm. make a, a jump shot. That, that was a really low efficiency playoffs for him. And then he rediscovered that in the 2016 playoffs. And, you know, 17, 18, he was hitting it pretty well. Uh, but if he, this year, especially at the end of games, he hasn't been hitting the jump shot. Like he's got to rediscover that, particularly with some of the spacing limitations of this team and AD as well. I mean, those guys, those guys got to hit better outside the paint. I do think the guys like KCP and Danny Green are going to come along. Those guys have been solid shooters over the years. And, but 
your on-ball the guys that got to be able to hit some shots uh, outside the paint as well. Yeah. yeah, I think the good thing though is that Kuzma's looked okay. You know, he's Kuz, looked better defensively. Yeah, Kuz, Kuz and offensively, he's been the one guy who's really been doing stuff. Uh, the the other adjustment they can make is not playing Dion Waiters, uh, which would probably help them. Right. Dion um, Waiters has the best net rating of any player who's high minute on their team right now. John, how <laughs> dare you besmirch him? <laughs> I think he's been fine, actually. <laughs> he's uh well, well i guess we'll see i mean he's one of the guys what is he three for 22 on threes yeah i mean that's not amazing uh when rondo has been, been a better three three-point shooter i mean you know that's the whole that thing nate rondo. they're they're missing they're missing their star they're missing rondo well avery bradley not being there you know that starting lineup had been really good with kcp yeah. for whatever reason it's bad i don't know if i put it that much stock in that you know who i actually think might be able to help them a little bit is jared dudley like, I thought he was going to be a guy who would play for them. And, you know, they just have so many forwards mm-hmm. that he didn't play at all. But, like, you know, he's at least going to hit shots and he's going to play decent team defense. Yeah. He's probably going to get cooked in an ISO these days. He's a little slow, but, and he just, he knows how to play out there as well. He's going to keep the ball moving, knows how to play off of stars. I, if they continue to struggle from the outside, I might try to give him some more looks. Maybe you could even, you know, if LeBron wants to play more defense, you don't need Danny Green as much if he's going to be way off. Um, I don't think Markeith Morris is the solution for them at all. I don't, I don't at all. No, no. I mean, it seems like they gave him some kind of assurances that he was going to play to get him to come there, but uh, he was, uh, it was a personal absence. I don't know if it was revealed that for sure he had COVID 19, but that would be the, Logical inference, right? Yes. So, you know, he could be struggling to come back from that. But we'll see. I mean, I, I'm not ready to say that, like, they're going to lose to Houston in the second round or something. I'm not ready yeah. to say that Portland is going to cause a struggle for them. They still got more AD at center. That really, if they go with that, then this whole shooting thing becomes a lot less of a problem, I think. It's just when you're playing AD and a center and you can't shoot, that's when it really kind of falls apart. So I'm, uh, can we see I, a lot worried. more of, yeah. Uh, Kuzma, James Davis at the three, four, five. Yeah, that'll be, especially if Kuzma is going to be able to defend a little bit better, that becomes much more viable and it will see whether they try to do some switching defensively with the, with those groups uh, as well. I mean, I never was going to pick them to beat the Clippers anyway, but I, yeah. I am a little, a little bit worried. The other thing that people talk about too, is their transition offense was awesome and their half court offense is like relatively average. And so they haven't been able to get going in transition very much. So I had a fitness goal for a long time of being able to dunk at age 40. But I started this year and I honestly just wasn't feeling very good. I had all this soreness in my muscles. I wasn't able to work out the way I wanted to anymore. And I was worried about whether I was going to be able to do it or not. And one of the things that really helped me accomplish that goal, which I reached in the past month, was Theragun. I had all these adhesions. It felt like when I tried to work out hard or jump or do any kind of explosive movements, I was always tweaking something or pulling something. And using Theragun regularly, I use it everywhere. My lower back, my glutes, my quads, my calves. It's helped me break up those adhesions and just feel overall a lot more lithe. I can work out the way I want to again. So I really couldn't recommend it more highly. We actually just gave it to a friend of ours who's a a trail runner. She loves it. I don't know if we're ever going to be able to get it back for her, but she's going to buy one herself once she finally returns it to us. You've probably even seen Theragun being used on the sidelines of NBA games. It's a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension. And the all-new Gen 4 Theragun has a proprietary brushless motor that's so quiet, it's quieter than an electric toothbrush. Try Theragun risk-free for 30 days. That's the best part. You don't have to take my word for it. You can try it out. There's no substitute for that Theragun Gen 4 with an OLED screen, personalized Theragun app, and the quiet and power you need. It starts at only $199. Well worth it for the improvements that, that I've experienced in my health. Go to theragun.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's theragun.com slash locked on, the name of this network. Theragun.com slash locked on. What's up, sports fans? Matt Peck here, host of Locked On Bulls, and I want to talk to you really quickly about another excellent podcast. Huge Fan is a new Sirius XM original podcast where stars talk sports. Each week, join host LaChina Robinson as she chats with your favorite celebs about childhood sports memories, game day rituals, the most heated rivalries, and more. 
And this new season features huge names like Anthony Ramos from In the Heights and Hamilton, Pat Carney from the Black Keys, Mel C, that's right, a.k.a. Sporty Spice from the Spice Girls, and even actress Michelle Williams talking about her love for our very own Chicago Bulls. Huge Fan is a fresh way to connect with your favorite artists, actors, and personalities about something we all understand, fandom. Huge Fan is now out on Pandora, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow the show or subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. So what's, what's, our, what's our net takeaway? Not that, not that worried about the Lakers? Maybe just like a, like a mild twinge of concern? Uh, I would put it above that, particularly because I think I was a little lower on them than many to begin with. I thought that their regular season success overstated how good they were going to be in the playoffs to some degree. And I put me on the, if this continues for another couple of weeks, then I'm ready to ring some alarm bells. And, and I could consider, I mean, we'll see what happens in the first round, but if they, well, certainly, certainly if they play Portland in the first round and can't score against them, then that, then that's a red flag, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, particularly that. I mean, that might be the team that has the worst matchups for LeBron James in the whole league. Yeah, yeah. And AD has always cooked them too. Um, okay, your turn here. Uh, I think we have to be a lot more bullish on the future of the San Antonio Spurs. I mean, Derek White, uh, uh, Kevin Pelton published his uh, warp mm-hmm. totals, and Derek White was like number four on that for uh, games in the bubble. He's just bombing it from three. Hopefully this knee contusion that he suffered isn't too serious. I haven't seen an yeah. update on that yet today. But, um, yeah, he's looked awesome, and the shooting that he's provided gives a, a way for him to play with some of their other young guys. Um, Kelton Johnson also looks like a keeper. I mean, I think maybe, you know, White – White and Johnson could both start for you next year. I mean, maybe we're getting, we're probably getting a little ahead of ourselves here on some of these guys, but yeah. Um, you know, particularly with the shooting, but I mean, these guys also look good too. It's not just that the ball is going in the basket. Like they're, they both are doing things. Both of them are going to be good defensively. I mean, that's because that's been the big problem. The Spurs have been fine offensively these last couple of years. It's just they can't stop anybody. And so I think once you, they'll with Pirtle at center, they get, you know, even Eubanks is pretty good. I, I'll, I'll allow you to wax poetic about him. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, but and the speed traps on uh, Highway 34 on, on the way to Corvallis <laughs> as well. Speed the, the way I drive speed traps are, are a serious concern for me. Yes. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, I, I think I I feel better about them having these guys be pretty good. Uh, who is the superstar going forward? I still don't know the answer to that question if you want to really get back any contention. But for those of us who thought, hey, it's going to be a number of years in the lottery for the Spurs now, that that's looking less likely to me. And being able to count on White and Johnson are, are the biggest reasons why. Well, and it just reaffirms your belief in their whole player development program that it still works uh, yeah. regardless of what else has happened there. When you look at them bringing in Eubanks on a two-way who basically saved the game for them yesterday. I mean, he's he's pressed into service as a backup five, plays 24 minutes uh, off the bench and, and was really good at both ends. Uh, you know, you look at their second-round pick, uh, Quindari Weatherspoon, uh, show, showed some real defensive chops in his few minutes. Keldon Johnson was the 30th pick. Um, and I think he, he could be a starter, if not next year, then certainly the year after. Uh, DeJounte Murray was a late pick. He seemed to be going a little sideways this year and now has kind of picked it back up in the bubble game. So that's been really encouraging. Uh, so th- there's, there's a lot to be excited about there in San Antonio. And if they don't make the playoffs, they're going to add another lottery pick on top of that. The, the other thing about them too is it's like, these guys are actually pretty exciting to watch. I really enjoy the, uh, White and DeJounte Murray and Kelton Johnson. Yeah, yeah, they've been they've been fun, and they, it hasn't been fun watching the Spurs for a long time. So I, I I think it's just been it's just been really entertaining. So we'll we'll see if they can get in. The odds are still kind of against them uh, getting into the postseason. So uh, we'll we'll see if Pop can call in another favor from the Utah Jazz and help himself with that game. But oh man, I mean, there's going to be a lot of these like Taylor Jenkins and Milwaukee. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although it was pointed out to me today that Boston has a lot of incentive to beat Memphis and make them miss the playoffs and 
move their draft pick up that they get. They, they move their year. pick up like three spots, basically. Yeah, so there is, there is some incentive for them to to compete tomorrow. So we'll see what happens with the Celtics, who otherwise are locked into their playoff position. Well, and if you're Boston, a, a quick aside here. I mean, first you had this awesome pick from the Kings that somehow ends up being the number 14 pick the one year that the Kings are remotely competent. Mm-hmm. Then the next year, Memphis is like poised to be one of the worst teams in the league. And all of a sudden they are like awesome as well. Aren't you just like, man, screw these guys. Like we're at least going to make you not make the playoffs here. Like, this <laughs> <is> <laughs> Yeah, maybe. Well, it still preserves if Memphis doesn't make the playoffs, it still preserves some small speck of a chance that the Celtics could turn it into a high lottery pick next year. Yeah, that's true. Me, me, if Memphis pops up into the top four, it's top six yeah. protected, then it's unprotected yeah. next year. Um, I mean, New Orleans, like what, what's, what the hell there, right? Like it's just, I mean, to me, I said this yesterday on my pod, but the moment Zion left the bubble, I think that ended up sinking them because he just was not in condition. He was not a positive player for them. They were yeah. constantly trying to work him in. They couldn't get a rotation, which is, you know, that's bad news for Alvin Gentry, who struggles to find, uh, consistent rotations to begin with. And, uh, a lot of guys played really badly. Lonzo Ball struggled. Derek Favors, uh, probably cost himself a lot of money in free agency with this uh, performance. Brandon yeah. Ingram was not the same guy. And they've got a decision to make now with Drew Holiday going into the offseason as well. Uh, in some ways, though, maybe, John, the fact that they didn't make the playoffs, the fact that they looked so far away now, does that make things easier for them that now you just move holiday and you just say hey we're gonna shoot for a couple of years from now uh it's interesting because every it goes against everything they've been talking about uh which was which was that we're not gonna rebuild we have enough right now and we're just gonna we're just gonna you know leap right into it and you can sort of talk yourself into that that if you get zion back healthy next year and you know sign one or two players around him another year alonzo uh you know, you still have Holiday and Ingram at a high level. I mean, but at the same time, like they had the two best players on the floor, and, and like we're never even in the game, like how, in their most important game of the season. Like, how does that happen? Yeah, I mean, the, the, it was. I mean, the Kings game was remarkably dispiriting as well. Yeah. I mean, those yeah. last two losses were absolutely pathetic. Like, yeah. there's no other way to describe it. Yeah, completely. So, I think. I think if you really sit back coldly, you would probably say, yes, it's time to do something with, with, with Drew Holiday and kind of plan for what's next and build the team around Zion and Ingram and maybe get different kinds of guards around them, uh, that, that fit a little better. But, uh, you know, Reddick too, actually would, would be the other guy. I mean, he's, you could get a lot for him right now. But are you just yeah, going to let him play out so. the play out the last year? Well, and here's the other thing too, right? They can offer Drew an extension this off season, and you know it won't be. It's not going to be the max. I don't think he deserves that. He's going to be you know thirty or something. But yeah, if you offer him the extension that you feel like would be a decent value for you, and he turns that down, I mean, at that point, I think you have to move on. And you know, like I said, if they let's say they continued to play the way they were playing before the hiatus in this bubble, they make it to the first round and they lose to the Lakers in six or something. At that point, you're like, okay, we can't move on from holiday. Think of how much better Ingram and Zion and Lonzo are going to be next year. You know, we could be a 50 win team. We're not breaking that up. I don't really see how you can say that that is, I mean, it's possible next year, especially with Zion, hopefully being able to actually like get more than zero blocks and zero steals in 104 minutes next year. Yeah. But, really? Uh, but to say that that's like our likely outcome with this group, also, I mean, what the hell they're going to do at center next year, particularly with Zion's defensive limitations, is a big question to me. So I'm kind of, I mean, yeah, if it were me, I would try to avoid making the same mistake they made with Anthony Davis, where they kind of short-circuited the process and were trying to win 45 or 50 games. In reality, they were winning 40 to 45 games. Exactly. And exactly. They never had any flexibility going yeah. forward. Yep. Uh, coaching situation there is going to be interesting to watch too. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Uh, you, you heard a lot of stuff all season. Uh, but there's, (laughs) 
that there are some interested parties there uh when you because you know, gentry already had the previous relationship with the with the owners and whatnot um it's it's going to be interesting there yeah they loved how gentry shepherded things through last year with the ad situation but i, I also feel like you know i mean david griffin and gentry worked together in phoenix but David Grossman also came in last year and generally likes to get new coaches. And certainly, I think, you know, we did our coach rankings. I think Alvin Gentry is firmly in our bottom 10. And there's little that you can point to that he has done positively other than just get them to push the pace a little bit, which, you know, with Lonzo Ball, they're going to do anyway. So I, I, I would advocate a coaching change there. We'll see whether that happens or not. I mean, there's also the money issue i think he's on a team option for next year right they, oh they picked up his option for next year so they would I, have to I, pay he's him. under contract for next year so they would have to pay him which is going to be any of these small market teams especially that's going to be an issue that weighs yeah. on i mean any just look at chicago changes. right like they're oh they, they, there's no way they can afford to uh move on from jim Boylan. they've only been making like 80 million dollars a year for the past 20 years is that ridiculous <laughs> i mean yeah that, uh but yeah, I mean that's that's going to be fascinating what happens with them. Uh, last last point on them, I wanted to ask you this: Ethan Strauss, your colleague at the Athletic, wrote a piece talking about how Zion is kind of battling his own body, and uh, he interviewed an expert, uh, Brian Stutterer, who said, "Hey, go back and look at Zion's Duke highlights and compare it to what you see now, and it's completely different." I did that, and I completely agreed with him. Would you be in agreement there as well? Yeah, I mean, it's, they're just, the, the spectacular just isn't there as much. Like he bounds up, uh, around the basket and the finishes and all that, but there isn't the same elevation and explosiveness to it. Uh, so I, yeah, I think, I think you have to worry about that. I I mean, he just, like, when's the last time you saw him make a play just with his speed when he's not on the ball, right? Like where he's just blowing what? by guys, where there's that closing speed that it, he averaged yeah. two steals a game in college. Yeah. 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 That, that, no, there's no, there's no speed at all. There's just an amble up and up and back, uh, well, up the court. And then he would get a lot of weak side blocks too. Now he would, he would ball watch and hunt them, but his blocks were unbelievable. And obviously there was none of that at the defensive end in the games we saw. I mean, do you remember that play when he, it was against Virginia when he closed out on that dude in the corner? Yeah, it was DeAndre. That yeah, that three. dude was the fourth pick in the draft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that play. Yeah. We've seen nothing like that. Or there, there was a play like that in the, when I saw him in person, the Maui Invitational, where he, he came across a lane on a, on a guy who was trying to take a shot before halftime and was like, you know, one of those, the guy drives the full length of the court, gets in the lane and tries to throw something up and, like he was, he was way above the square and just swatted this thing, uh, halfway to Oahu. It, it was just an absurd athletic play. And, and you, you just don't really see that. Well, so my hope is that this is really the first time he's been on the floor and he's kind of failed. You know, even, even offensively, he was quite inefficient by his standards. And so maybe this is like a little bit of a wake up call of like, no, I need to take like my body more seriously. I need to take my diet more seriously and get back to the, that guy that he was at yeah. Duke. Okay. I, my pick was the Pels, I think. So you're up. Asia. Oh, 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 I see what you're saying. Um, so, uh, let's see here. What do we, uh, what do we think about Portland? Huh. I mean, it's very encouraging that Yusuf Nurkic is back. I think if they can just shore up the wing defense next year, they could be right back around where they have been in previous years. You know, maybe if uh, some seating manipulation happens, you might be able to luck your way into the Western Conference Finals. But, you know, you'll be yeah. a 50-win team consistently. It's tough to put them above there, obviously. But, uh, you yeah. know, Nurkic being back gives them your hope to say that, hey, this year is an aberration we're not going to have Carmelo Anthony as our starting three anymore. We'll have Trevor Reza back. Maybe we can add it, you know, trade our first round pick and you know, get some more reinforcements on the wing. I think there's going to be plenty of players who are going to be available in, between now and next season's trade deadline uh, for teams trying to potentially cut salary. Like they have ownership that has been willing to spend so far, at least more than most of these teams are probably going to be willing to. So, uh, but for this year, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I don't get excited about them 
for this year still because the defense is still bad. The the wing situation yeah. is bad. The, they have, they're running on fumes already, too. Well, yeah, I mean, clear, clearly, I mean, they've had to play Lillard and McCollum and Nurkic so many minutes uh, through these games. Lillard had a sore foot already coming in, so the, that's definitely a concern, too. When I look at this team a year from now, what they could maybe be, I mean, if they... Like you said, if they the emergence of Gary Trent gives them another like real wing player, which which they they desperately need, Um, having Ariza back potentially if they pick up that guarantee or signing another player in that spot, uh, getting like a real four and moving Collins to be like a four or five behind Nurkic and the and whoever their legitimate four is, like just to get them to like having sort of a real roster construction where they're not leaving mismatches all over the court and trying to hide Carmelo Anthony on one guy and have Zach Collins guard Reggie Jackson on the other side. You know, they 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 just leave themselves uh plugging the dike in so many different areas. And then I think that they they bet on Anthony Simons this year and I think if they shored up those minutes with just like a good solid Backup one who doesn't need to play a ton of minutes, obviously, when you have Lillard there. But I, I think that would kind of raise their floor as well. Yeah, and they even uh, Trent could play some backup three. He could play some backup two with either McCollum or Lillard if they wanted to go back to that stagger and just make CJ the backup one again. And you know, Simons, if he develops, he, he can pop in a little bit. Maybe get a little bit of a, a veteran option. So yeah, I mean, I think especially when you consider they might end up playing two games in the play-in as well you know they're just i mean dame was he put up 51 last night but he was just yeah absolutely on fumes by the end and so and and we've seen that he's i think he got tired by the in the denver series and by the golden state series last year he just has to do so much of this team stats has no compunction about playing that many minutes and you know, they, if well, he hadn't and played now, that many minutes, they'd be done already. So, and now with them trying so hard to hide Mello, he's guarding James Harden and Paul George. On top of all that, so, um, yeah, it gets a little rough. Uh, by the way, Rodney Hood will be back for them next year too. We'll see what kind of condition he is post Achilles. Doesn't really give him a defender, but it gives him does give him another legitimate wing. Our friends at RockAuto.com are a family business. They've served auto parts customers online now for 20 years, way back in the dot-com era. You can go to RockAuto.com, shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. It's just a superior experience to your local auto parts chain where you go up to the counter. Inevitably, they don't actually have what you need in stock, and so they just have to order it off some computer system. Why not just do that yourself on a better computer system for prices that are the same for you? as they are for professional mechanics go to rockauto.com right now see all the parts available for your car and truck make sure you write locked on in there how did you hear about us box so they know that you came from us amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com david harrison here the locked on washington football team podcast celebrating with you a 21 grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to dave's killer bread i don't know about you guys but when i eat pizza i eat it for the toppings not the crust and when i eat a sandwich it's for what's inside the bread not for the bread but when i throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds thin sliced bread from dave's killer bread it is the epitome of addition by subtraction that thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste killer texture killer nutrition a subtle sweetness and a seed coated crust dave's killer bread is america's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store so let me ask you this put yourself in the shoes of james jones in phoenix Mm mm-hmm how does this bubble change your long-term plan about this team, if at all? Well, certainly I feel awesome about Mikhail Bridges if I didn't already. I mean, I, I just uh, – and Bridges and Johnson, actually. I mean, that that combo – and they were having some success with that before, right before the hiatus when Kelly Oubre got hurt. When they went small and took Saric uh, off the floor – uh, they were having pretty good results with that, and I think they've doubled down on that, and it's been and it's been effective. Um, 
looks like they actually uh like they've they've been playing Sarge Summit as a five now <laughs> with the bench units actually uh go going almost even even yeah. smaller. Um, they are playing right now, by the way, as we record this. And uh, DeAndre Ayton got got a little bit of a late start to today's game uh, because he. I don't know if you saw this. Apparently, there's some issue with him and his testing, and so he had to like go back and get tested and then get to the arena. Wow. Yeah, so he's only played eight minutes so far. So coming up uh, on halftime, that's that's pretty remarkable. He did have time to do the Wojpod though. That's that's important. <laughs> I wonder if there was like a false positive or something. That's sort of what I, yeah. It I mean, like. who knows? I'm sure more will come out about that. So I, I mean, it, we'll note that I mean, if the game's coming fast and furious, this is unavoidable. But this is a uh, you know, we could be talking about them as being done if they lose to the Thunder. They basically have to win out. Yeah, to get in, it, it looks like. But uh, yeah, I mean, are you thinking Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson? We're going to start them at the three and the four. We've got this twenty million in cap space. So, what are you targeting with your twenty million in cap space now? Assuming that you you've reached that decision that hey, we're going to start Johnson and Bridges at the three and the four next year, and you have Kelly Oubre too. You you now you could say. You could still say, you know what, we're still going to go out and get like Paul Millsap and, and we'll, we'll start him and we'll play, you know, we'll play, we'll play Johnson behind him and, and we'll just be good because you have to count on some of these guys not making it through the season, let's say, or being out at different yeah. times. So uh, you, you or, need that depth. Yeah. Well, so let's say they're healthy and I know Johnson has had hip issues. I mean, are you, do you feel like, okay, those got, those are starting caliber three and four, Bridges and Johnson? More confident in Bridges than Johnson. Agreed. Uh, I, I just think Bridges is an elite defensive player. Uh, could make all defense next year, and and offensively he's he's good enough. Uh, Johnson to me is like he's he goes through stretches of offensive effectiveness. I, I think that pick's looking a lot better than people thought at the time. So credit to the Suns for that. I still don't know if I see him as a long term starter. Um, although I think he fits he fits their group better than than Sarge did. Uh, I, th- I think Sarge probably phrased. ends up. Those artfully phrased, by the yeah. way. People uh, was that would that include us? <laughs> are, are we among yeah. those people? Yes, <laughs> we are. We are among them. Didn't yes. think it was, it was that yes. great. Effect. I actually didn't have an opinion. I I hadn't seen him at all, but uh, you know, I didn't think the the twenty three year old guy at, at number eleven after you traded down from where you could have selected a point guard was uh, was a good move. But you know, if if he's a player, it makes it a lot. Looks yeah. a lot better. But. The uh, the Cameron Payne pickup is uh, going to help them. I think he was good in the G League. I think he's shown himself to be a good enough backup one, uh, and that position just killed them all year. And that's one of the reasons they played better here. Uh, now the other reason is uh, I, I like I don't think their three point defense here has been sustainable. But like they have some nice pieces there, you know, with Booker, Aiton. Like, can they go five hundred next year? Yeah, sure. Is that good enough to get in the top eight in the West next year? Probably not. Man, the West. Uh, we'll see what changes happen over the offseason. Next year's West looks ridiculous, right? Oof. Yeah. And there'll be injuries. that There always are. But there's not going to be really any teams at the start of the year that you're looking at. And they're like, okay, this is a clear lottery team. We are focusing on rebuilding. I mean, you you initially think Minnesota, and then you're like, wait, well, wait a minute, they have Carl Towns, like, the, um, yeah. like you, you could even make a case for them, I guess. So let's see here. I mean, T.J. Warren, obviously, I think he's maybe more interesting to talk about than Indiana as a whole because we'll get more information on them once we get into the playoffs. But having you know T.J. Warren's averaging 35 a game. He's had one bad game, and that was Mikhail Bridges locking mm-hmm. him up. Other than that, he's killed everyone that they've tried to put on him is it is this enough for you to say hey we're gonna build our team around tj warren as the primary scorer and other guys need to fit in around him let's say you know he will get again we'll get a good view of him likely against a, a good miami defense in the playoffs but let's say you know he puts up 25 a game on pretty good efficiency from here on out are you all of a sudden like yeah he's our main guy because that wasn't obviously their focus before this no, it wasn't. And does it also shift you, shift your mindset because he's been doing this at the four? Does it shift your mindset on Sabonis and Turner? And do you look harder at trading one of them? Well, you know what my opinion on that would be. Uh, you would, you would build the team around Sabonis and trade Turner for a second round pick. <laughs> no, but I think Warren's success, 
I don't think that like Sabonis is a bad player, but he Sabonisizes your team, right? He he has to be involved in every action. You're going to run a bunch of stuff through him, and, and he could be involved in that stuff with Warren. You know, a lot of what Warren's been doing is that wide pin down onto the corner, and Sabonis uh, can hand off and and then roll to the basket uh, on that side. But it is a lot easier for Warren and his ridiculous finishing at the rim if you don't have Sabonis around the basket and things are a little bit more spaced out. And so it's just the, the, the issue of fit is was always my bigger concern with Sabonis. He's probably, you know, a top six or seven offensive center in the league. But I think in particular, just because he was an all star and their teams and fan bases have been like, ooh, an all star, like yeah. his trade value is never going to be higher than it is right now particularly because when he comes back presumably it won't be this year when he comes back next year you know there's going to be more miles to feed there'll be Oladipo probably unless they move him Brogdon will play more there's Warren and so he's just not going to put up the same stats even if he's the same player so this is the absolute peak of Sabonis's value to me yeah and he signed for four years so right uh could you bring Sabonis off the bench could you go back to doing that he was awesome when he came off the bench two years ago. I mean, you'd have to get him to accept that role, but that isn't yeah, that the but, best version of your team, though? Uh, well, I think the best version of your team is trading Sabonis for some other assets that aren't going to be backups potentially. Yeah, you could argue. You could argue that get get a little bit more help on the at the two and three. Oladipo's yeah. future is an interesting question hanging over this team. Yeah, because it, it seems clear that he's really going to be the third option right now at least for this season behind Brogdon and Warren. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he, you know, you, you still see him fighting it a little too. Like he's not all the way back with the, with the leg yet. So it's a, that's a tough calculation for the Pacers. And in a way, Warren's emergence makes it tougher because it's easier now to make the argument that if you keep Oladipo, you can be really good. Hmm. Yeah. It's just a question to me of, is he going to accept, you know, going back to that more three and D type of role, um, I also think that like he and McConnell are a really bad fit on the second unit. And, you know, if you maybe play him and holiday together, that'll enable him to do more uh, against backups and, and kind of let him eat a, a little bit, keep him happy and also give your second unit some juice, particularly in the playoffs. Whereas McConnell, he's another guy who just needs to be involved in everything has to have the ball. And so what, where does that leave Oladipo uh, on those second groups? Yeah. You wonder if they'll, um, you wonder if they'll move off of him just to leave the door open for Holiday. I mean, as a front office, that's one of the things that you have under your control, right? If you want your young guy to play, one of the one of the things you can do is remove the obstacles to him playing. So the, yeah. that's going to be an interesting discussion in Indiana, too. Well, if uh, many accounts are to be believed, another thing they have under their control is changing the coach. That's an interesting one because I thought Nate McMillan did a great job this year. and Unequivocally. But that, I mean, there, you hear stuff out there though. <laughs> so, and again, the way things are going, uh, with these owners, uh, not just with their NBA businesses, but with their other businesses. I mean, the Simons made their money in shopping malls, right? Like, how, how do you think they're doing right now? So that, that, that could, that could weigh on some of these decisions too. Yeah. I mean, that's, they've always been kind of a year to year cash flow type of business. You know, you got to kind of pay for yourself on a year by year basis. And they have not been a, a team that, that has spent a lot in, in raw cash terms, not to mention even entering the luxury tax. And, you know, they might say, Hey, this is the party line at when Frank Vogel left, right? Was, yeah, you know, we've had great defenses under Frank Vogel, but we think that's all Dan Burke. And mm-hmm. maybe they'll feel similarly with McMillan. They'll try to get someone who can juice the offense a little bit more on the other end. Uh, any other teams you want to hit? I've got some specific players I wanted to talk. Yeah, can we talk about uh, the Denver Nuggets? Well, yeah, and, and Michael Porter Jr. was one of the players I wanted to because hit. Because so yeah, they're, I think, very quietly, their ceiling has changed a lot now to where we we talked almost dismissively about Denver, and now I think we have to look at them as a little bit more of a threat. When you talk about, like, if Porter can be their number two scorer, and now you're talking about a team that has like Jamal Murray as their number three guy. And, you know, uh, they, they could potentially bring Millsap off the bench. Like they, they, all of a sudden you look at them with Porter and there's a lot more shooting and a lot more weaponry. Are you talking about for this year or going forward? I think even this year in the playoffs. 
Huh. I mean, they have stayed. I mean, if you told me that Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Will Barton basically weren't going to play, their results have been pretty solid. So yeah, yeah, that heavily offensive driven, but yeah, they're they're pretty solid overall relative to expectations. And even like you know, one of the games they lost was Portland, where they basically white flagged it, even though it was it was completely winnable, just because they didn't want to they didn't want to put Jokic back in at that time. So uh, I. I just look at that team if they if they can get all their players back by the second round. Like, can they beat the Clippers, boy? I don't think so. Can they make it more of a series than we thought? Yeah, then maybe they can. Yeah, I mean, I, I still want to see what's going to happen with Porter in the playoffs. And uh, yeah, having Porter is great, but if Jamal Murray and Will Barton and Gary Harris aren't ready to go at the start of the first round particularly Barton and Harris, you know, these PJ Dozier minutes have been killing them. Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm thinking maybe more for years to come. I'm just, I'm not ready to rely on Michael Porter scoring 20 a game in the playoffs quite yet. And there's going to be some growing pains there too, as well. Are they going to start Porter at the three? I mean, Will Barton has been quite adamant that he expects to start, although they did take Will Barton out of the starting line for Torrey Craig and that jump started them in last year's playoffs. And he's coming off the injury so interesting decisions here for Michael Malone, to be sure. Yeah, I mean, but Barton had a really good year. People forget. I think it was kind of under the radar. Uh, Denver also likes to play big. They bring Plumley off the bench. They bring Grant in, and so, but but Porter to me is at his most dangerous as a four because he he's a good rebounder and his has crazy range, and you have to close out so tight on him. But I think the way they're currently constructed, he's probably going to play a lot at the, at the three, like you said. Uh, now is, is a team, I, the way Gary Harris struggled this year is a team with Barton at two and Porter at three, Millsap at four, Jokic at five. Is that more dangerous? I think so. It gives them, a, like, they can probably defend reasonably well. I mean, I still worry because they have to play this defense with Jokic getting way out on the floor. And that really opens up a lot of threes that you just, when you can just get two on the ball like that at the start of every possession and you're a good team, you know, James Harden, LeBron James, it, those guys are really going to just like carve something like that up. And so uh, it's, uh, I'm worried about them defensively to be sure. You know, I, I still, I think their path has to be, you know, we're going to be the number one offense in the NBA essentially. Yeah. Yeah. If they're going to really be a championship contender and hope that, you know, your D is around 10 or 11 and that's, that's good enough for you. I, but with I, Porter, I, I think that. that's, uh, those sort of outcomes become unlocked. And I mean, I think they can get that there, but Millsap is so important to them defensively. He really is probably a negative offensive player for them at this point with the lack of spacing, you know, unless he can get into the post and eat in like certain very specific matchups. Going to be interesting this off season with Millsap being a free agent. Uh, Plumley, I think it's probably a little easier to, to let him go. Um, that if they can get another guy at the two or three, um, do they look at trading Gary Harris, starting Barton at two, Porter at three? Um, they got a, f- a few different ways they can go. They have a little bit of room below the tax line, but not unlimited room. Uh, and if they bring back Millsap, they have basically no room. So they, they have some interesting decisions with what to do with this team going forward, but those decisions are all easier with Porter. But then the, the other variable that's still there with Porter is, is his body going to hold up? Right. Yeah, I mean, he to me, he looks back athletically finally to the guy that he was before all the injuries when he was uh, being talked about as a potential number one pick in 2018. Yeah, I mean, the Nuggets the Nuggets have invested a lot in medical cases in the draft, and they've done a great job with them. I mean, you going back, I mean – Guys who got red flagged by at least a couple teams, you know, with with Malik Beasley, Gary Harris, Bull Bull, um, Porter, and and they've been able to get those guys onto the floor. So give them give them credit there. Uh, have, having seen what the medical was on Porter coming into that draft, um, I I still worry. <laughs> let's say <laughs> without giving uh, too much away that I can't. Yeah, I mean, clearly when you, he had to have two back surgeries, that's not uh, particularly encouraging. And just simply the fact that it's taken him essentially two calendar years to get back to the level of athleticism that he showed uh, as a prospect, uh, that's, uh, that's a little worrisome. Um, got a couple of smaller ones here for you. Okay. 
Grant Williams in Boston, totally out of the rotation. Mm -hmm. And the hope was that he could shore up that seventh, eighth man slot, maybe play a little small ball center on your second unit. And instead it's been Semi Ojale, Robert Williams have been ahead of him. So that, I mean, he really, Williams have been trending up and, you know, I, I can't say that I watched their game where he, to see why he was so bad that he just got taken out of the rotation. But that to me is a negative development for the Celtics. Yeah. I guess I never really had vastly different expectations. I just always thought he was such a zero on offense that they were never going to be able to, to play him in playoff games. Yeah. Well, I mean, if they've apparently judged that Semi Ojale is a better offensive player than him, so, I mean, that's, that's even lower than maybe would have been expected. Um, we probably got to discuss Mo Bamba since we were talking about him last, last week is like, okay, maybe the team's like giving up on him. He's not in the rotation, but it, it's revealed that he had a, a COVID-19 diagnosis and then also had a false positive when he arrived. He revealed that to the athletics josh robbins this week so it just i think i i wanted just to be complete make sure that we said that because there are some extenuating circumstances there sure and i mean i think everyone did kind of raise their eyebrows those first few games when they were putting ken birch in and not well bomba it all makes more sense now so unfortunate for the uh magic that they lost uh jonathan isaac because i think you you talk about teams where we had to adjust our priors because of what happened in the bubble our priors for orlando next year are completely different right in, in terms of this team maybe could have positioned themselves to make a move next year in the east and now it's hard to really see that happening yeah they could have got to the sixth seed maybe <laughs> if you if you i mean they would have had to put push start pushing some chips in do an aaron gordon trade do some things around the perimeter but you you, you could have talked yourselves into it now i think it's a it's a lot harder also a bummer for them that Brooklyn actually won some games somehow with that team they brought in because I really thought Orlando would pass them for seven. Yeah, and now they're going to get completely destroyed by the Bucks in the first round. And maybe that's something that they need as an organization to finally hit the reset button where if as if they had lost, you know, let's say they give Toronto a series and you can kind of convince yourself that progress is being made and John Isaac doesn't get hurt. Hey, well, you know, imagine how we'll be when he's healthy next year and everyone's going to take another step forward, even though, you know, Vucevic is going to turn 30 next year. And now I, I think they'll be disabused of that fiction potentially. Yeah. I, I still think they're going to, going to roll this way for another year. Uh, they, when you win 20 games for half a decade, winning 40 games doesn't seem that bad. Yeah. I guess that's true. Uh, but yeah, it, it's really, I mean, they are one of the, most of the teams in the NBA, if you ask me about them, I feel like I have a pretty good plan for them and what their future should be, but definitely not them. Yeah, I, I think it, that I don't know what the hell I'd do if I were uh, their management right now. Any other players that popped up for you? I've got like two more here that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I think you maybe stole a couple of my best ones. Um, go, go, go ahead. So this guy, I just was very unfamiliar with them. We did their game for NBA League Pass. Uh, by the way, uh, check us out uh, tomorrow at 6.30 Eastern, that Memphis-Boston game, the uh, the pick revenge game for Boston as they try to keep Memphis out of the playoffs. I think they'll probably play their guys in that one, so it should be good. But uh, in one of the previous games we did, Utah rested a lot of their starters, and Jarrell Brantley is someone who I think I could see at least having an NBA rotation role. I know he's not the sexiest name. You've probably, most people listening to this are probably like, who the heck is this guy? But uh, I like him. It, now I've only seen him a couple of games and I've looked at the stats. It, had you followed his career a little bit more closely and, and you give us a little, a little background and whether you agree with me that he might be able to be a, an NBA player? I mean, I followed him a little more closely. I mean, he was a, a prospect uh, somewhat at Charleston. I honestly, I, I thought he would go undrafted. I was surprised he got picked in the fifties. Um, but you know, kind of has a, like he has a big body, but he can move uh, his feet. So I do think there's some potential uh, at the, at the defensive end. Uh, he's maybe a little short, but that isn't as big a deal as it used to be. So he's, he's got that going for him offensively. I still think it's a question mark. He's not, Really a shooter, um, can do some stuff with the ball, but it's not, not anything that's going to create plus advantages at a, 
at an NBA level. Like finding an offensive niche for him is probably the the key for him because as as you say, like defensively he can probably do enough. Uh, as as a backup forward to play minutes, but at the, at the offensive end and his development at the offensive end is is really going to be the thing that determines whether he can stick in the league. From my perspective, yeah, I thought his jumper actually looks pretty smooth, and the numbers were like you know mid thirties in the G League this year. Yeah, I think that's clearly the swing skill of what he can do on offense because he can't really jump at all, and he's got a little bit of ball handling ability. But, uh, you know, you're not going to give him a pick and roll in Quinn Snyder's system, for example. But, you know, I think he can be the same level of shooter as like a Royce O'Neal eventually. And and they're just so desperate for anyone. Like, I would give him a shot, particularly in these last couple of games. Just kind of liked him defensively as like, you know, 255 pounds, but can move his feet. Mm -hmm. So that's got some appeal against some of these power guys who like to operate off the dribble. You're you're not a Niang guy? Uh, I mean, I think... Brantley can defend a little bit better moving his feet than Niang. I've, yeah. Um, That's always see. been the knock yeah. on Niang going back to college. It was just the, the slow feet. Well, and I mean, to his credit, I think he's transcended that as much as humanly possible. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question is, if Buddy Heald were a restricted free agent oh. this offseason, <laughs> what contract would you project him to get? I think you still have to look at the totality of the season that he was in the top 10 and made threes and that some of the ways they used him were, were suboptimal, let's say. Um, but man, he was bad in these bubble games. Like, like, yeah. Now he was and, coming back. And you can't, a, a you can't just, you can't just kick around Luke Walton either. Like, like Buddy was just bad <laughs> and couldn't yeah. make a shot, was bad on defense. It, it, it that was not fun. Well, and he did have a COVID-19 diagnosis. So, you know, you never know how much that affects people. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. uh, to me, a lot of the kind of privacy and like some guys are saying it, some guys aren't. I think that actually you could probably speak to this more from an executive standpoint, but that to me actually does guys a disservice. I think the more uncertainty there is about guys' health, the worse off you are. And so, you know, for Buddy Heald to go out there and say like, you know, play terrible, as opposed to being like, yeah, you know what? I've really, uh, I had this COVID-19 diagnosis and, you know, I haven't, I've missed a bunch of conditioning. I haven't felt quite right. And particularly because there's so much attention on these games to be like, okay, no, this is the reason why I haven't been at my previous level. Yeah. And to be able to point to that, like with Bamba, for example, I would rather have that if I were representing a player or if I were a player, then no, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. No excuses. I'm fine. Yeah, I think there's a worry, probably. It's interesting. I mean, Buddy Hill signed for four more years, so he this obviously doesn't apply to him. But there's a worry that if you have it and then you play badly, that teams will look sideways at you in free agency. Like that yeah, that you have like some permanent yes. damage or something. Yeah. Well, I, I'd rather that than just they think I'm healthy and I suck healthy. <laughs> That's a, that is a, a good counterpoint. Uh I think Sacramento can get more out of Buddy if they get a more offensively potent backup point guard and don't have to have Buddy operate so much as an initiator and pick and roll guy. Yeah. Um, I thought he worked really well with Fox, obviously, uh, last year when they would run so much and they right. could just run into quick threes for him. Um, and they didn't do that as much this year. And I think some, I think actually thought that's where losing Willie Colley Stein really hurt them because Collie Stein would sprint the floor, the guard would have to pick him up, and then Buddy would be open at the three-point line. Um, that that said, I mean, Buddy also just didn't have a good year. Uh, so it's tough. I mean, they're on the hook for uh, close to $100 million with him, and it's declining money, uh, thankfully. But, yeah, they, you can't see any way that he would have gotten this as a restricted free agent. Well, and, and how long now? I mean, Marvin Bagley... I think it's pretty clear he's not going to be the second star until further notice. And he's had all these injury issues. I mean, how long before we're already counting the days until De'Aaron Fox is asking out of there? It's only been a third year for him. He's surely will get a max extension from them. But, you know, two, three years from now, we could be like, man, like he's just been mired here. KG style with this team that just has nobody else on it. Yeah. So, yeah. And then... You know, even Fox, like he's got to shoot better. Yeah, you know that's that jumper is still not at the point where where he can totally weaponize all his speed. 
Yeah, and you think about, I mean, Sacramento going all in on this team with Buddy's extension, with the re-sign of the, Harrison Barnes. Barnes, the, the, trade, the trade and the re-signing, yeah, yeah. I mean, I thought the trade was fine because they essentially just took him on for nothing and, mm-hmm. you know, keeping him around, you know, the thought was he was going to opt in for this year and, you know, that would have been fine. But then the extension for him, which presumably was something they had figured out they were going to do before that trade. And, yeah. and now they're just totally stuck and, you know, we'll see what they get in the draft this year, but it's going to have to be hoping for an infusion of new young talent. And that obviously will be years away before it can be brought to bear. Stauskas. I think that's a good one to end on. Okay. <laughs> Why not? The, the 2014 draft throwback? Oh, that can also refer to the trade that they made with Stauskas as well. You get get two solid references out of that one. Oh, yeah. The Philly trade. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything you want to talk about before we go? Uh, yeah. You know, I uh, I wrote for The Athletic about the whole playoff chase in the Western Conference, all the permutations, uh, all the things that are uh, going on in New Orleans. I have a bunch of Drew Eubanks highlight clips that, that everyone should look at. And uh, uh, th- that's what I got uh, my latest uh, for The Athletic. And then I got a couple more pieces coming later this week uh, that I can't tell you all about yet. But look for them Wednesday and Thursday. Yeah, and obviously Danny and I are doing Dunked On, wrapping up the games every night uh, there for you on the East Coast so when you wake up in the morning. And we're doing two more League Pass games uh, 6.30 Eastern, Memphis and Boston on Tuesday, and then 8 Eastern, Miami, OKC on Wednesday. That's been awesome to do that. Really enjoying it. And thanks to everyone who's uh, given positive comments on social media. I'm actually sending those to the NBA to try and convince them to make this a, a regular thing for us. So uh, your support on that is greatly appreciated. And Giant will be back uh, next Monday. Talk to you all then. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.